All right, here we are. We are going to be starting our webinar right now. Um, give me a second. Can you go down on the camera? We're trying to get some of the stuff situated. Daisy has only seen half of the screen. So, so hi, I'm Anthony. Um, just want to share a little bit about myself, how I got involved in ministry, and then um, we'll be sharing with you the syllabus we're going to be covering over the next few weeks and what that entails and how this can help you uh, become effective for the kingdom of God. And so just a little bit about myself. I went to Bible school uh, straight out of, straight, right after high school. And there, because I, I realized I had a calling on my life and it was just walking with God, you know, and, and I learned a lot. And I was, I, I was, even then when I was born again, God was telling me to pray for people I had no confidence in the church I was attending. They said, that's not normal. That's, that's not the thing you're supposed to be doing. Right. And so I said, okay, fine. You, you've been saved longer than I have. So I'm just going to go ahead and step back and I'm going to um, just fit in. Right. Uh, this is basically what we do a lot of times in church. And so from there, I went to Bible school. I met my lovely wife there. And from there, I actually got hurt. You know, um, it wasn't something light. I was basically really hurt. You know, I walked away from ministry for over eight years. And it, was, it wasn't until one day my dog was dying and he ended up dying. And I started speaking over him. He was raised from the dead. And it's a whole story in itself. And I realized, you know, because at the time I wasn't, I wasn't the most pious person. I wasn't the one, you know, doing everything wholeheartedly for God or anything. You know, I had to step back. I told God, if this is what ministry looks like, I don't want any part of it, right? And so as I've been walking with God now and seeing his goodness over and over and over, it's just, it's been absolutely amazing. And so some of the things that I desire to share with you have really been some very strong revelation that's come into our lives and very strong understanding that's come into our lives in the last year okay so we've seen some growth okay we, we started believing for healing we started seeing healing uh, we got up to 70 80 sometimes 90 percent healing um, most of it was you know over time uh, we did see 70, 80% instant on a regular basis, but you never feel right about seeing that one person walk away or will away in a wheelchair or, or anything like that. And it weighs on you. I don't know about you, but it weighs on me. I, I don't like seeing that because I know what Jesus paid for. You know, something we're going to get into scripture. I know what he paid for. Why am I going to settle for anything less? Right? Jesus got 100%. And so God really took me through a, um, a theological soul-searching time, I guess. And he really brought some things in my mind and out of my heart that he had put in there that helped me go back and see exactly who he is. And once you know, we started realizing this and started teaching this, uh, we've been in Brazil, we've been in Bolivia, we've been in um, India, we've been in Italy, Germany, Canada, 
in Minnesota so far. And we have over 10 plus meetings where everyone we prayed for was here. And we're still waiting to hear back from, from Minnesota, uh, the testimonies to see if everyone was healed. But I mean, I'm talking about blindness since birth, uh, partial blindness, deafness since birth, deafness, paralytics, paralyzed, you know, in their, in their waist down. I'm talking about cerebral palsy. Um, we've seen all this stuff healed. And it's almost like part of your mind wants to say, is this real? Did this really happen? Did I just see this? Or, for instance, I was in one church in Brazil, and I just I spoke healing over the, the entire audience. And I said, right now, in the, in, in the sound of my voice, anybody who hears me, you be healed in whole now in Jesus' name. And I said, all right, who got healed? Nobody raises their hand, okay? So we ended up praying for about 40 people who needed healing, and 15 of them were healed whenever I spoke a command over them, right? Jesus healed them then. And so it was just, it was kind of funny because one of the guys, he comes up, and he's only got something wrong with, like, his finger or something. And he said, oh, well, did, what happened? He goes, well, actually, when he commanded, he goes, I had cerebral palsy. I, my arm was, like, twisted up and, and curled in. And, and I, I wouldn't have believed him except when we compared his arm. His arm was half the size of the other arm, right, because he hasn't been using those muscles. He hasn't been moving around. And I was like, oh, uh, okay, so, so why don't you raise your hand? He goes, because I still have a couple of fingers that need to be straightened out. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, <laughs> thank God for the big thing that he just did. He just gave you your whole arm back, right? Your, your forearm, your, your hand, everything back. And you're going to hold off praising God because of, of two fingers. Will he finish it? Yes, he will. But don't rob God of, of the praise and, and the worship and adoration he deserves, right? And so we prayed for him. Before he left, his arm was almost the exact same size. Remember, it was half the size. It was almost the exact same size as the other arm when he left. And we have tons, thousands of testimonies like this. When we went to India. Uh, I've got pictures I'll be showing with you um, next time. And it, basically, we have the before and after pictures. We went into a hospital wards in this one hospital. And in two or three different wards, we, we cleared out the entire ward. Went in just praying for people after we trained the team for nine days. Exactly what I'm going to be sharing with you today. And so I, I, I can't help it. I'm very excited um, just for everything that God's going to bring out and in, in everything. And so this session, we're going to go ahead and start, is called Motivation of Heart. Okay? And so I'm going to go ahead and switch to share my screen so you can kind of uh, follow along with me. and You can see the questions and you can begin to understand everything that I'm going to be sharing with you. And then we'll take a five-minute break, and then we'll get back into God is Healer. And we'll, I'll be sharing with you for 45 minutes. And so this is what the time of the next two hours is going to look like. So we'll be sharing with you for 45 minutes, and then we're going to take a small break, um, and then we're going to do question and answers with myself and uh, Brother Todd McNicholas, who's a dear friend of ours. And so here we go. We're going to go ahead and... We're going to go ahead and share the screen.
No, no. I got it. Ah, click back over there, please. No, wrong. The other one. I haven't shared this one. Oh, you haven't? No. Well, my wife is over here trying to get stuff in order. And you have to share the screen before everybody can see it. Yeah, but I'm trying to, what browser are you on? Chrome. Oh, no. Sorry, just bear with us for a second. I'll get this going. Here we go. So you can see my screen. And we'll get started. All right, so here we are. We're going to be talking about motivation of heart. And so the importance of, of knowing your motivation. So a lot of times we get caught up on the glitz, the glamour, the power, the, the shebang, the wow instead of actually taking time to walk with God, get to know Him. And this could be a problem, right? Because if, if our heart isn't in it, then how long do we actually stick with it? Hmm? So motivation of heart is very key. It's very important when you walk with God. And so I have to start by asking you, why are you here? Why are you on this webinar right now, this moment, and just getting past all the nitty-gritty, you know, straight to the heart? Why are you here? Are you here for power? Are you here because you want to see greater things? And if you're, if you're here for those reasons, it's, it's not the best reason. Actually, they fell in comparison to walking with God in complete surrender to Him that makes all the difference. Because when you when you surrender to him and you walk with him, it's so much be more beautiful. But the whole thing is, is a lot of times we don't even realize he's completely trustworthy. And that's what, something we're gonna get into. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. I'm just super ecstatic, very excited. And so let's look at this next thing. What if you lived a perfect life according to scripture and at the end of the day, at the end, on the day of judgment, God sends you to hell. Would you, would you be okay with that? So it's important that you don't answer that very quickly. You don't want to answer that right away. Because if you answer that right away, you might get the wrong answer. Now understand what I mean. So it says, if you, what if you lived a perfect life according to Scripture, and at the end, on the day of judgment, God sends you to hell? Would you be okay with that? So, obviously, according to Scripture, God's not going to do that, right? However, what, it's, what the question is really asking is, what is your motive? What is your heart's intent? Why, why would you say no? Why would you not be okay with that? Because what it re reveals to you is that you're trying to get something from God or out of God instead of completely trusting and surrendering to Him. 
So the correct answer to this question is yes. Absolutely. Because if he finds fault, who, who's a better judge? He's a perfect judge, right? So we just trust in him completely and, and see exactly what he wants us to do. And, and um, there's so much there to dive into. But it's understanding that he is a good God and he is a righteous and just judge. All right? So let's go to the next thing. So what is humanism? Uh, the word's been tossed around a lot. There's a lot of different definitions out there. You can do a Google search right now, and you can see that humanism can be summed up in one sentence. And that is, the humanism is the sum of all beings. All being is the happiness of man. So we exist for our happiness. We Everything's for our happiness. God exists for our happiness. You know, uh, your, your spouse, your, your family, your friends, it all points back to you, happiness, happy, 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 happy. So as long as I'm happy, nothing else matters. Right? And so if you listen to this, we can see how this has actually crept into the church. And it's the wrong motivation of heart because here we go to people and we say, well, just say this prayer and you'll be saved. Well, you don't want to go to hell, right? Do you want to go to hell? Oh, no, of course. No, you don't, don't want to go to hell. Well, well, then just say this prayer. All right, brother, now you're saved because you repeated this prayer. Welcome to the kingdom. And they're completely deceived because they're trying to get something for nothing. They think they're in trouble with a bad God. They don't know that they're in complete rebellion against God, against the good God. Right? That they're they're walking in iniquity. They're 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 trespassing against his law and his nature and who he is in the original design of, of, of man and, and what he wants us to do and, and accomplish and, and co-labor with him. All this they have no idea of because they haven't heard the good news. Right? So let's look at what is Christianity? What is Christianity? So we break down the word, we know that it means Christ-like, right? Christ-like is very simple. Um, it means like Christ. It's, it's not complicated at all, right? And so it says Christianity is the sum, is the sum of all being is the glory of God. So it's all about his glory, nothing else. So it's not me trying to go to God to get a deal from him or to make a deal with him or what I can get out of God. But it's all about surrender. Surrender because I understand that he's an absolutely good God. And so this is our message. This is what we go and we teach. We teach that God is absolutely trustworthy because he is good. And a lot of times we, we look at the world, the world tries to convince us otherwise. He's been lying to us from, from our birth, right? Think about this. The devil ha is a liar, and he's the father of all lies, and he's been lying to us through the world system since our conception, since our birth. And so it's very important. It's, it's very 
key that you get this understanding that God is absolutely trustworthy. Because if the devil is the father of lies, that means that God is the father of truth. Right? So it's, it's very simple, very easy. Okay? So the motivation of every Christian's heart should be for the glory of God. It's not about what you can get out of God. Like I said, it's simply, God, I completely surrender to you because you're a good God. And this is for your glory. God doesn't get glory out of a sick person. He doesn't get glory out of somebody who's in sin or dies and, and goes to hell. Right? He doesn't get glory for that. But if we look at Jesus, and I'm, I'm trying so hard not to preach. <laughs> if we look at Jesus' life, everything he gave, everything he exemplified, everything that he did was for what? It was for the glory of God. He's our example. He's our model. It's not about getting a new car or a new house or, or any of that stuff. It's about abiding in Christ and sowing up treasures in heaven instead of stuff here on earth where, you know, Jesus says we're moth and rust and everything, you know, make it waste away. And so everything that I do, I do it completely with the heart of God, I do this for you. I do this for your kingdom. I do this for your glory because you're worthy to be praised and adored and honored and loved. And it says we keep his commandments, right? And it's, this demonstrates our love to him if we keep his, his commandments. And that's John 15. So this is something very key, very important. Have the right motives. Don't be doing it so you can be somebody. The only person that's special is Jesus Christ. Okay? No other person, just Jesus. You're in Jesus, that makes you special. Right? So let's continue on. So what have we been teaching in churches? And as, as I've been writing this and, and looking over and studying different things, I realize the very foundation of Christianity is based on the wrong perception of God. And so when I go back and I actually look at what are we teaching? Because what we're teaching is what's producing what we have today. Right? So it's very important that we, we look at what have we been teaching so we can correct it. Because if we, if we understand that the foundation, and this is what I'm going to get into in the second half, is the very nature of Christ, is the very nature of God, that should be our foundation. That should be our core. Not getting out of hell. Not anything else but his nature. And I'll explain why over the next several days. And, and so it's so key, it's so important, because you begin to see that is it the same message as Jesus? Is, is it the same as what Jesus taught? Right? When you go back and you compare what Jesus taught to what's being preached in a lot of churches today, you find that it doesn't even line up with Scripture. And have we gone toward tickling ears and, 
and misogyny goes and everything else. Yes, we have, and it's, it's sad. We shouldn't be there. We shouldn't even came up because we're exiting out of Christ and we're becoming this little social club instead of abiding in him and out of him and, and through him and operating through him and with him and seeing the glory of God in the kingdom of God manifest on the earth. Because if we have the wrong motive going in, we have the wrong foundation. If we don't trust God from the beginning, when are we going to trust Him? So you might say, well, I, I didn't have this foundation. I, I, I don't have this understanding that you're going to reveal to us or that, I'm, that you're starting to piece together, I'm sure, by now. And I've seen, I can tell you, I, I didn't have it either. But in this last year, going from, you know, 70, 80, 90% to 100% and staying pretty close to it, staying pretty consistent, not because of who I am. Understand, it has nothing to do with me. I'm not special. It's only Jesus Christ. And you can ask anybody in my discipleship teams, you can ask anybody I ministered with, and they'll tell you, I tell people from the very start, you don't have faith in me. You don't have faith in my prayers. I didn't hang on that cross for you. I didn't get beat on that whipping post for you. He did. Because the message has to be completely Christ-centered. Because he's the only one who did so. He's the only one who hung on the cross. He's the only one who was on the whipping post. And he deserves the reward of his suffering. And all we have to do is get our stinking thinking, get our mind, get our carnal mind, get our souls out of the way and let God manifest through us. And as he manifests through us, you begin to see amazing things. I can tell you. I used to think when I start seeing 100%, maybe I'll go into pride. And then I realized, well, that's not really even me thinking that. It's the devil trying to trip me up into entering into pride before I even get there because false humility is still pride. Right? So, if you're looking at this, I can tell you, walking out of rehabilitation center in Santo Antonio de Jesus, Brazil, um, walking out of the hospitals in, in uh, Goa, uh, where we were in India, and seeing just incredible things, people's arms, broken limbs, surgeries gone bad, I mean, all kinds of stuff, healed. I can tell you, I've walked out of many of those places crying, bawling. And I just wanted to be alone with God. And I'm still around the team and everything. I'm just like, God, like, this is absolutely amazing. I never thought I would ever be able to experience or witness this. And he tells me, because I, I told him, I was like, God, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. I didn't pray enough. I didn't fast enough. I didn't study enough. And he goes, exactly. Exactly. He says it's all about Jesus. And he deserves the word of his suffering. He deserves it. And for a moment you feel dumb. You're like, oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. But we're in Christ Jesus. We're his body. And so this is what has really transformed our lives. And this doesn't just work with healing. Understand what I'm saying. 
We're going to be talking about God is healer um, for the next couple of weeks. But understand, this doesn't just operate in healing. When you understand the very nature, the very heart, the very core of God, it changes everything. You can prophesy in an instant. You can ask for friends in Germany. Some of them may be tuned in, you know, where we healed in Jesus' name. Jesus healed them, right? We prayed for people. Jesus healed them. And then we said, okay, we got a word for them. And we begin to prophesy. And, and it's all about complete trust, complete surrender in a good God, even with your own mouth. Don't put any trust in your intellect or your words or what you know about a situation, what you don't know about a situation, or anything. You simply say, God, you're absolutely good. I'm just going to speak what you say because your word is just as powerful coming out of my mouth as it is coming out of your mouth. And then you step off the cliff and you see he never left his hand. Because he speaks right through you, even though your mind's flipping out sometimes. Like, is this correct? Is this right? And what are they saying by their body language? You know, none of that matters. It's about quieting that, that, that the soulish part of you, the carnal side of you, and say, no, 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 no. It has nothing to do with me. Everything to do with him. And you begin to see accurate words, accurate words of knowledge, accurate um, in, in healing and, and, and so many other things. And so as we get into this, I'm telling you, it's going to come alive. You're going to start to understand the concepts and the principles and everything we're going to be covering with you over the next several weeks that will completely transform and radically blow your, your life away. Because that's what's been going on. And I can tell you, just it's just been absolutely amazing. So why does the motivation of your heart even matter? It matters because it sets the tone and the foundation for everything you do. God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at your heart. Right? He looks at your heart. You can have everything together on the outside, but if your heart is prideful and puffed up or, or deceitful or, or anything else, you're not going to fool God. You're not. So don't think by just because you say the right things and you do the right things that you're fooling God. You're not. You have to understand that he is a good God. And he loves you. And he's giving you time to repent, to change your mind, turn from what you're doing, never do it again. So I hope, you know, just this little section helps you guide you in the right direction. Because this is something that constantly goes on. You constantly have to check your own motives. You have to check the motive of your heart. In, I've, I've been in different situations. I can tell you, I've been in a prayer line. And there's like six people have the exact same problem. Go to the first one, they're healed. Second one, they're healed. Third one, you're healed. Fourth one, nothing. Fifth one, eh, a little bit. Seventh one, healed. What happened? I can tell you what happened. Because I've been analyzing and looking at my life, 
my my dollar. By by the time I got to the fourth and fifth one, I was trying to do it at my own ability, out of my own reliance on what I had seen with the first four, instead of relying on God. And so when I step back and I go back to number four and number five and number six or or whoever, right? Then I give my my mind, my heart back into alignment with with God's will and His Spirit. And next thing you know, they're healed instantly. The next one's healed instantly. Because it's not about Anthony. It's not about, you know, Haji or, or Sandra or Matthias or, or any. None of that matters. It's about Jesus. Staying in Jesus. Keeping the right motive. Because if you keep the right motive, you stay out of the way and you see the glory of God. I'm telling you. You will see the glory of God. It's absolutely amazing. It's absolutely amazing. You can step into any situation. And just like Proverbs says, that the words spoken at the right moment are like golden apples framed in, in, in frames of silver. And it goes straight to somebody's heart. And it touches them. It meets them right where they're at. And letting them know, this is God speaking to you. We are ambassadors of Christ Jesus. We're not ambassadors of the world to God. We are ambassadors of Christ Jesus. And it's important that we, we understand that and walk in that. And, and, and begin to understand everything that this entails, everything that this means. So we're going to tackle a number of different topics um, in the next 45 minutes. I do want to give you a small break. Uh, please take this time. You know, use the restroom, get some water. But we're going to dive into some very meaty stuff. It will change your life. Okay. So one thing before we go is I want you to know that it's it's important that you ask questions. I want this to be interactive. And so there's a section here on the browser where you can ask a question. You can, it's basically like raising your hand, right? And so whenever you have a question, please feel free to post it, but I probably won't get to answering the question until we do our Q&A. Okay, so you might be better just writing it down, uh, you know, put it aside. So one thing I ask that you have, and I, um, we'll figure out a way to get you the syllabus, is have your Bible. Have like a smart device or internet access or something to where you can do searches quickly and have a notebook. So in the notebook, write down your questions and leave room so you can write down your answers. Because I'm telling you, this is going to completely change your life. All right. So bless you. We're going we're gonna to step off the camera for about five minutes, uh, take a small break, and then we'll get started.
All right, we're back. Uh, thanks for the little break. Um, you use it to get water and move around a little bit. Um, if you're having trouble connecting right now you know, through an iOS device or an Android, uh, try getting the Chrome app and make sure you log in through the Chrome application because sometimes it's defaulted to go through Safari and it won't work. So it's important that you, you do it through the Chrome app. Okay? So I'll look into that for next time just because I want you to get everything that we're going to be sharing here. And so it's very key that um, you have access to it. Okay, so there's there's so much I want to share with you like immediately. And so we're going to, I've done my best to kind of chop this up in the small pieces so it's a little easier to digest. So I'm not overloading you with information. And so basically we're going to begin talking about the very nature of God. And I decided I'm not going to use the PowerPoint I have um, set up for you. I'm just going to begin just sharing with you everything about his nature. So the manual, if you haven't figured it out yet, if you go to offer under the offer tab on the bottom of the screen, there's a place where you can donate. You can become a partner with us. Um, and then there's the um, a download button. From there, it should take you to a link where you can download the the manual that I'm looking at that I'm going to be teaching from for the next several weeks. Okay, so just look at the manual. If it doesn't work, we'll make sure we get that to your email as soon as possible. And after even after this recording or this, um, it's not a recording. Well, this it's recording live right now. But after this uh, webinar is done, you can come back and you can rewatch it. So even if you don't have the menu right now, you can come back and you can rewatch it at any time. And then we're also going to make it available throughout the, the next several weeks, uh, three times a week, three times a day. So other people can sign up, they can view it, they can go through it as, as much as they want. Okay. So just getting right into it, I want to talk to you about the very nature of God and why this is so important, it's so key to solidify from the very beginning of your walk with God. And if you're not in the beginning of your walk with God, well, now is the perfect time to solidify that God's nature um, in your life, in your heart. And I'm telling you, even today, one of the, the people we're discipling, um, she said, she's like, this is making me so much more solid in, in my foundation with Christ than anything I've ever experienced. She was being transformed. That's uh, basically what she was saying. And it's very key, it's very important that we we see God for who he is and not what we want him to be. Because it's very easy to create something that we want to be or we want to see and neglect everything else. And that's not okay. That leads straight into error. It's like me saying, I only like when you smile. So everything you have to do, you're going to do to me by smiling only, right? That, that just, you'd be like, what? No, when I'm upset, I'm upset. I'm not going to be smiling at you when I'm upset, right? Uh, or it could be, well, you can only do it with a frowny face because you look cute when you frown or when you're mad, right? That, that's like absurd. You, then you're not accepting me fully for who I am, right? So it's the same way, same thing we do to God whether we realize it or not, we put all these limitations, we put all these, these different things on God instead of just saying, 
Let's wipe this, the, the, the chalkboard clean and let's look at God for who he is. Let's, let's go to scripture and let's look at God for who he is. Who he tells us who he is, right? And we'll see. If we go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This has been our testimony from the beginning, that God is light, and in him dwells no darkness. So there's no darkness in him. No darkness at all. So last time I looked up all in Greek, it still means all. Yep, no hidden meaning there. And a lot of scholars have told me the same thing. So it's, it's very important that we understand that in churches today, we've allowed Eastern philosophy to come and infiltrate the church into where the, the yin and yang gang symbol, right? You see the, the black with the little black dot in the, in the, or the white with the little black dot and the black with the little white dot. And it's basically saying in all good, there's a little bit of evil. In all bad, there's a little bit of good. And so we say, well, well, God, in God, there's a little bit of bad. But that's not what it says. It's not what it says in 1 John 1, 5. It says in, that he is light and in him dwells no darkness. So there's no darkness in him at all. It's not even in his nature. It's not even in who he is, right? So when the sun comes up in the morning, is there any darkness of night left? Any? Not even a little bit? Any at all? None. Oh, yeah, but what about, what about we gave darkness permission, right, to stay in the sun? Hmm? Yeah, it still doesn't work, does it? No. Yeah, yeah but what, what, if, what if darkness has authority? What if we gave it authority so it can stay in the sun? No, still doesn't work. Why? Because light is being true to its nature. Light dispels darkness 100% of the time. So now if you look at what I'm saying, you can see that God is an absolute God. So if he does it for one, he does it for all. Period. So we're going to go ahead and open up. We're going to look at the very first instance where we see God telling us about himself. Okay, because we, we can go to Genesis and we can see healings, um, you know, particularly with Abimelech and Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and, and where... Abraham prayed and they were healed. Abraham prayed and the plague or whatever was impacting their household left. Right? But here in Exodus 15, I'm going to read verses 22 to 26, but we're going to focus on 26. You see that God is saying, this is who I am. And even looking at Abraham in anything in Genesis, you see, who did Abraham pray to? God. Right? So let's look at this. Exodus 15, 22-26. It says, Then Moses made Israel out, um, made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. 
So they had they didn't have any water. When they came to Mara, they could not drink the water of Mara because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Mara. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. And he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Okay, do you know how absurd, absurd that sounds? But look at what God was doing in Moses, through Moses, Moses, even in this old covenant. He showed Moses a log. And under complete surrender, because he knows that God is a good God, he takes the log and throws it into the water. So that's the equivalent of, of me filling up your water, I mean your sink or your bathtub, right, full of uh, pond scum, pond water. It stinks, it smells, it's gross. And, I, and God says, okay, grab a toothpick, take the toothpick, and you're going to toss this toothpick into your bathtub and it's going to cleanse all the water. It's going to make it drinkable. You would say, I'm crazy, right? But what happened? He, it made the water sweet. And he, right? And um, it says, for there the Lord made them, for them the statute and the rule. There he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes, not in your eyes, in his eyes, right? And give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. So let me let me clarify something because you're look, you just said he put the diseases on the Egyptians. No, 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 no. That's not even actually what it means in Hebrew. If we break down the Hebrew word, um, understand the characters in Hebrew are very particular, very special, right? So one one letter can also mean a number, it can mean a word, it can mean um, like it has multiple meanings. It's, it's, it's a very broad language, okay? So I've talked to several scholars, and we've even looked at Dr. Michael Brown discussing this, and he, he shares how it doesn't actually mean to put, but actually means to permit, okay? So understand, ancient Hebrew is a dead language. does not exist anymore. Not even the scholars today know ancient Hebrew. How do I know that? Because the people who wrote the Septuagint, which is the Greek Old Testament that G the book Jesus read from, because ancient Hebrew was no longer in existence because it became a dead language, and the last scholars decided we need to translate the, the last scholars who knew ancient Hebrew, who said we need to translate it into Greek. And that's what they did. So to this day, if you ask any scholar in Hebrew, if they're completely honest with you, they'll tell you we are not 100% that the words mean exactly what they mean. So you might say, well, you just discredited the whole Old Testament. No, I didn't. Because Greek is a very specific language. Right? And so when you look at Greek, then you begin to see explicitly exactly what it's saying. And it means to permit. Okay? So, I probably took longer on that than I needed to. But here, this is the thing I want you to understand. It says, 
for I am the Lord, your healer. Right? So was it Moses' idea? Was it the Israelites' idea? Was it anybody else's idea? No. It was God. God revealing his heart, his nature, saying, I am human. Doubt me? Okay, let's go to the next verse. Exodus, excuse me, Exodus 23, 25. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take away, or I will take sickness away from among you. Huh. Interesting. So he's the one who takes sickness away from us. Okay. What about Deuteronomy 7.15? And the Lord will take away from you all sickness. All means all. All sickness and none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which you knew, will he inflict on you because you will lay them, uh, but, he, but he will lay them on those uh, all those who hate you. So, oh, look, see, it's saying, again, that he's a bad God because he's laying them on the people who hate him. No, 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 no. When you understand that he permits it. So basically what God does is he, he set all these things in motion. He set all these natural laws, spiritual laws in motion so he doesn't have to say, sun, come up every morning. Sun, go down. Sun, come up. Sun, come, go down. No, because his word does not return to him void. It accomplishes the task once he sends it out to be right? So we see, he set certain parameters. The Egyptians were not following God. They were, they were swayed away from, from God in, in the original creation and everything else. And so that invited sickness and disease and, and everything else to come upon them. So understand what it's saying here, okay? So let's look at Psalms 103, 1 through 5. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. It doesn't say some. It says, don't forget all of his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, all your sins. Who heals all your diseases. So here again, we find he heals all. Right? We read earlier that he takes away all sickness. That he is, he is a healer. Right? So here again, we see that he heals all your diseases, who redeemed your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. It's very simple. It's Psalms 107, verse 20. So it's Psalms 107, verse 20. It says, he sent out his word and healed them. He heals with his word. It's very interesting, right? And delivered them from their destruction. So who is his word made flesh? Jesus. Right? Excuse me. Drink some water. So he, he sent out his word and he, and he heals them. Psalms 147.3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So he heals them. Right? Proverbs 4. Let's skip over Proverbs 3. It also says it there. Proverbs 4. Be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. And let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to them who find them. And healing to all their flesh. God's words 
are healing to all your flesh. It's good stuff. So look at Isaiah, Isaiah 53. I'm going to give you the Matthew 8, verse 17 version, okay? So understand, I've already switched out the words. You're going to see this in the menu. It says, surely he has bore our infirmities. He has carried our maladies or diseases. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. It's very simple. So the next section I want you to understand in here, we're going to go straight into Jesus' life. And I've got 20, about 20 scriptures. Uh, I thought it was over, but I think it's about 20 scriptures where it says that Jesus healed them all. Now understand, I took this from an investigator's point of view. When an investigator comes in, and it doesn't matter if it's a crime scene or just a scene of something happened or you know a mystery, it doesn't matter. What he does is he goes and he looks for credible eyewitnesses. Right? And he grabs those credible eyewitnesses and he, he brings all their stories together and he gets the whole picture. So that's what I did with uh, the, the help of Harmony of the Gospels, the ESV version, the English Standard Version of the Bible. And you can see that even though it doesn't say in every single scripture that I'm going to read to you that Jesus healed them all, that when it says it's a parallel passage, it's referring to the exact same incident, the exact same scene in the Bible. And it lines up perfectly. Okay? So for instance, Matthew 4.23 Jesus healed them all. It says, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all of Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, and those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. Doesn't say he healed some. It says he healed them. In the context, we see he healed them all over and over, right? So we look at Mark 1, 35 through 39, parallel passage. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the to the next towns, that I may all, uh, preach there also, for, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, and casting out demons. Hmm. Parallel passage, Luke 4, 20, uh, 42 to 44. It says, when it was that day, he departed, went into a desolate place, and the people sought him and came to him, and would have kept him from leaving them, but he said to them, I must go preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. See, so I could, I could take these and say, well, see, he didn't say that he healed them all in, the others, in, in, in Luke. But when you understand it's the exact same scene, you're getting a broad picture of everything that, that happened. Understand Mark's heard it secondhand. Luke may have heard it second or third or fourth hand. Right? Matthew was there. 
So here, regardless, it's scripture, so it's credible witnesses. All right? So here we go, Matthew 8, 14 through 17. It says, when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law laying sick with fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. There, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases, not maladies, right? Parallel passage, Mark 1, verses 29 through 34. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew and with James and John. And now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with fever. Immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand, lifted her up. And the fever left her. And she began to serve them. The evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed all many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. Understand this parallel passage to the other part where it says he healed them all. Luke 4, 38-41 And he, he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with high fever and they appealed to him on her behalf. See? See how it fills in the story, it fills in the gaps as you look at it from all three angles or, or sometimes four angles, right? And um, so they beseeched him, or they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. See, the other one says he took her by the hand. This one says he rebuked her. Uh, rebuked the fever, not her, right? So you can see if I was putting the story together, I would see Jesus walking into the room, rebuking the fever grabbing her by the hand and lifting her up, right? So it says, and he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. And immediately she rose up and began to serve them. Now, when the sun was setting, all who had any, who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid hands on every one of them and healed them. Every one of these people he laid hands on. And he healed them. And the demons also came out with a cry, right? You are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was Christ. And so I can go over and read all these scriptures to you. But I want you to understand is that Jesus left no one sick. We hear in sermons, there's no proof of that whatsoever. What we have proof of is that Jesus healed them all 100% of the time. Okay, so this is something that I want to reveal to you. I want you to understand is that his very nature, his very um, being abides in, abides in you through Christ Jesus. Okay, so a lot of times, I'm going to shift gears here for a second, okay? A lot of times we hear about uh, power. In two words in Greek in the New Testament, exousia and dunamis. But did you know that there's five words for power? It's not just exousia, it's not just dunamis, it's energia, it's iscus, and it's kratos. So what is, what is exousia? It's the right to rule, 
right? So we say authority. You have the authority. You've been granted authority. You have a right to rule, right? So you have the right to exercise that authority, or else you'd be a thief. So, okay, that's it. I'm going to skip over dynamics for now. I'm going to go to, uh, to energy. Energy is raw power, strength, might, electricity, you know, however you want to say it. It's, it's just raw power. So you would think this would be the, the power used in Acts 1-8, but it's not. Okay? So then we look at the very next one, Iscus, right? Iscus is the overcoming might, an overcoming force, right? So we would say, well, the power of God's overcoming. So therefore, that's, that's what it is in Acts 1-8. No, 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 it's not it at all. And so, okay, what about Kratos? Kratos means power of dominion. The power of dominion. So you have the power of authority, right? And power of dominion. Still not that word. But yet, if we listen to half the messages in the church today, we see that it's all about dominion and authority. And I used to preach that. Some of you know me, you know I used to teach that. However, it's nothing to do with those things anymore because those are byproducts of his nature. So we go to 2 Peter 1.4. It says, by these seemingly great promises, we become partakers of a divine nature. Where did that nature come from? The nature came from God. How did we get that nature? We, can't, we got that nature because of Acts 1.8. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he doesn't come and leave. He abides in you. Right? So he abides in you. Then what happens? Power manifests. Dunamis manifests. So what does dunamis mean? Dunamis means an inherent power by virtue of a, of a person's nature. Hmm. So what does that mean? That means, just like a light, the sun coming up every morning, right? Just like it comes up, it's being true to its nature, naturally exercising power, dominion, authority, and all these other things over darkness because it's being true to who they are. The sun is being true to who or how it was designed, right? So if we look at God, if you listen to what I just said, then you begin to understand how Jesus saw 100% healing 100% of the time. Because he knew the very nature that abided in him. This, this is exciting, okay? Understand, when you realize that he understood the very nature of God that abided in him, and it says, the wicked one cannot touch me. Why? Because darkness cannot touch light. Can't touch light. Any more than heat can touch cold. Right? You see this. They don't mix. It doesn't work. So when you look at the understanding that it's God's will 100% of the time, because of we can see Hebrews 13:8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So why do we think as believers that he moves into us and he becomes powerless. No, 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 no. That's not the way it works. We can go to the Old Testament. When they, when they sanctified the altar, just, just the altar. We're not even talking about the Holy of Holies. Just the altar. 
anything that touched the altar after it had been sanctified became holy. In God, Jesus Christ, Son of God, holy, lives in us. We think we're going to change him? We think we're going to stop his power? Why do you think it says in Mark 16 that these signs shall follow them who believe? Not these believers will follow these signs. No, 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 no. It's we follow Jesus. We keep our eyes fixated and focused on him, and the signs follow us because we are being true to the nature of God who now abides in us. Okay, so you can tell I've deviated from the manual a bit. We'll come back to it in a second, but I want you to understand that God is not partial. There's no partiality in God, and that's a section here in the manual. So I have given you over 13, about 13 scriptures, at least eight scriptures there, showing Old Testament and New Testament that there's absolutely no partiality in God. He doesn't say, well, this person I favor, this person I don't favor. No, 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 no. If you meet the requirements, you get the goods. Bottom line. So what's the requirement? The requirement is trusting in Jesus Christ. So another thing, very quickly, is let's get rid of the false notion that, that faith is some mystical force out in the universe that nobody understands. No, faith is simply trust in God. Trust. Faith means trust. That's all it means. Go look it up. Use the LSJ lexicon, and you'll see all it means is trust. It's not complicated. It's not hard. It's very simple. All I have to do is say, God, I trust you. I, I, I'm, I'm trusting in you. Right? So it's, it's very key that we, we look at what God is communicating in Acts 1.8. When the Spirit of God comes upon us, we receive dynamis. We receive an inherent power by virtue of his nature. Because the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, peace, joy, right? Long-suffering. All these things. It, and it says, against which there is no law. Why? Because God can't even restrict his own nature. Right? Because then it would be a contradiction. So he's letting you know when the Spirit of God comes in you, he transforms you from the inside out. You've heard this, but not in this depth. So when you see that his very nature comes and lives in you, then you're no, no longer a slave to sin to fulfill the lust of it and, and the desires of it, but you become a, a slave of righteousness. You become a slave of doing what's right no matter what, 100% of the time, because that is your nature. That is who you are. And if you act contrary to that, you're being a hypocrite. Right? So, not laying hands on the sick. You're being hypocritical. Stop it. Turn from that. Repent. Turn back to God and say, God, I will do exactly what you want me to do. But what, I'm under, what I want you to understand is this only happens through Complete surrender to God. God does not share, share glory with any man or any flesh. The scripture says that. No flesh shall glory in the presence of God. So you have to understand exactly what God's saying. God's saying, believe in Jesus Christ. And as a result, the Spirit comes and he brings his his 
very nature and puts it in you. How do I know that? Because it says in the Old Testament that I will give them a new heart and a new spirit. So it's not talking about a new soul and a new human spirit. Then we'll just make a spoke again. He'll just make a sin again, right? But if you understand that what he's saying is, I'm going to put my spirit in them. And as I put my spirit in them, they become a new creation. They become a new creature that's never existed before because nothing that's been created has had the very core, the very heart, the very nature of God except us, who are also made in his image. Tony, it's powerful, powerful. You have to get over yourself, get delivered from yourself, and say, God, I lay it all down. I surrender to you. When I lay hands, it's not me laying hands. It's you laying hands on them. We're laying hands together, better yet, right? Because he co-labors with us. He's not trying to use you. He wants to walk with you. He wants fellowship with you. He wants to move and do things with you, not apart from you. This is how he designed it. Well, yeah, but God can do this. Yes, he can, but he chooses to do it with us. He chooses to see the sick healed with us. He chooses to have us as a bride. Us. Right? So when we go back and we look at exactly what Jesus is modeling, Jesus is saying, look, understand, I only do what the Father says to do. I only do everything he says to say. I only say what he says to say. I only do what he says to do. And that's, his, that's our model. That's, that's who we look to. We look to Jesus. Because how can we grow up into Jesus if we don't even know what Jesus looked like? We can teach like him. We can walk like him. We can talk like him. But if we don't have the very core, the very essence, the very nature of God, then we miss it completely. Because in Hebrews 1.3, it says, Jesus Christ is the exact imprint of his nature, of God's nature. He's the exact imprint. And so it's so key, it's so important that we don't get caught up on, well, God is just love. No, 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 he's also just. He's also righteous and loving and even jealous. Oh, that's a bad word. No, 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 I'm just telling you what he says about himself. So all these things, we, we have to see God from a holistic view of his nature and who he is and what he accomplished through Jesus Christ. And it changes everything. Because it's not me who lives. It's Christ who lives in me. Right? It is by the faith of the Son of God. Not anything that I've ever done. So when you begin to realize everything that God is saying, and everything that he's, he's willing to do, has nothing to do with you. Get delivered from you. Understand, when you lay hands... You are one with him. He's flowing through. He's impacting the person. And that's, where it's re that's what results in their healing. And the only thing that he's asking you for is complete surrender. Because we look at the message of Jesus. He never taught healing. He never taught prophecy. He never taught anything like that. He taught the very nature of God. And he kept telling people over and over, God is trustworthy. God is good. If you being earthly know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly Father? You have not because you ask not. Right? So here Jesus says, 
constantly drilling into his disciples. This is the very heart. This is the very nature of God. Because if you understand his nature, then you understand his will. If you understand his will, then you can pray the prayer of trust 100% of the time. And this is what I'm sharing with you. This is what we've seen. This is what we've gone around the world and we've seen miraculous things happen. And we're still growing into it. I'm not going to lie to you. There's been some people we've still left, you know, the same way. But my trust is in what I see. My trust is in his word. And as I become disciplined in looking at him and seeing 100% consistently, it all blows open. And I begin to walk exactly like Jesus walked. You, you understand when it says, um, Galatians 3.27, right, that we put on Christ. Those who have been baptized into the Spirit, we put on Christ, right? So when we look at put on Christ, or baptized into Christ, we put on Christ, sorry. It says that what it actually means is not putting him on like garments. No, no, no. Because that means you can take it off like a garment. But it means to adopt his mind, his will, his, his, his emotions, his actions, his intellect, as if your own. So he's saying, look, you lay down your life, you pick up my life. This is what Jesus was teaching. This is what he was saying from the beginning. He even says, destroy your life. Destroy your suke. We would translate it, destroy your soul. Well, that sounds harsh. How do you destroy your thinking and your emotions? And That's not what he was saying. He was saying, lay down your life, your lifestyle, the way you think, you live, you struggle, and you operating out of the kingdom of this world and, and get out of that stinking thinking and come into me where my burden is easy and my yoke is light, and all you have to do is trust me, walk with me, and you will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I'm telling you, seeing people live because of God touching them is amazing. Seeing somebody who just had their leg amputated and God take away all their pain in an instant. And the gratitude and the reaction from the person who is in extreme pain. Is God's goodness. Get the wisdom, get the witness, his goodness on a daily basis. It's not to puff up anybody. Our sufficiency is not of ourselves, it's of God. Through Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus right now, I'm talking to you, if you're not in Christ Jesus, we can change that. But what I'm hoping that everybody on here is a believer and understand that the very nature of God abides in you. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you, you have his nature. It's your core. It's your heart. That He's giving you a new heart. We can find it in Hebrews 8, in Hebrews 10, in Jeremiah 31. And we can see the very nature that God has given you. And it's not to back down. It's not to shrink back because he doesn't take pleasure in that. He takes pleasure in those who push forward and obtain the promise. You are that, that, that latter person who pushes towards the promise. You think you're here by accident, but God has you here for the very reason that he wants you to know 
that you don't back up, you don't back down for nothing. You stand on his word because of your nature is completely different. That's what makes you a new creation in Christ Jesus. You understand this? So did Jesus see 100% healing? Yes, he did. And if you have his nature and you have his spirit, the same anointing, the same spirit, Acts 10.38, right? Totally going off on a tangent. Acts 10.38, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Go to Acts 1, we see the power is a result of the Holy Spirit. So we can see there, Acts 10.38, he's saying, the Holy Spirit empowered, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So all oppression is from the devil. Right? We see this. So it says, Jesus healed them all. Saying it again. He healed them all. So he's giving you the same Holy Spirit. 1 John 2, 20, 27. He's giving you the exact same Holy Spirit to do what? To live a lesser life? No. So that you can bear fruit and bear much fruit. So that you can say, hey, look, this is what being in the kingdom is about. This is what being in Christ is about. I haven't been sick and I don't know when. I see people healed every day. I see uh, things multiply and prosper. They see the goodness of God everywhere I go because of his nature in me. There's no lack. There's no struggle. There's no striving. There's no sweat of my brow trying to earn my way in this life because I'm completely trusting in him and he knows my heart and I do his work. I do his will because I do the works of the Father. You see this. This is what is so absolutely amazing. That this is the very core. This is the very foundation that God's given us. He's saying, I put it, this is the mystery that's been, been hidden from, from the world. From the beginning. That in you is Christ, the expectation of glory. Because he abides in you when you abide in him. If you abide in him, everything falls off. Everything falls off. Depression, sickness, pain, everything. Well, well, well I've heard this, something similar to this, and uh, I'm still sick. <laughs> then let it go. Why are you holding on to it? Give it to God. He pays all his debts. And if it's sickness, then you know he's already paid the debt. By his stripes, you are healed. You would go to 1 Peter 2, 24. It says, by his stripes, you are healed. Well, you're wrong. It says, no, 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 no. You go back to the actual Greek. It's a statement in aorist tense. It's a statement outside of time saying that it's a fact, a truth that echoes for eternity. That by his stripes, you are healed healed and it's so much more powerful than the limitation of time you understand this this is key this is important it's the understanding that life the life giver 
lives inside of us. We're connected back to the tree of life. Who is Jesus Christ? How do I know that? John 15. I'm the vine. You are the branches. Right? Everything we can see in Scripture points back to the very core, the very nature. What, what is the vine good for? It's good for the nutrients, and, and it pulls it from the soil, and it feeds sap, and, 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 and uses it as a carrier. I'm probably doing a horrible job. Sorry, Todd. Uh, <laughs> pulls sap up into the, into the branches and into the leaves, and it feeds it. And it flourishes, and it grows, and it produces fruit. You're a branch attached to the tree of life. You're going to produce life-giving fruit. Right? And it's so important that we understand this is our nature. This is who we are. It's not about struggling and striving, because whatever we focus our attention on is what we become. We focus our attention on sin or lack or attacks from the devil or from this or from that, then that's what we become. That's all we see. That we don't see the one who is in us. The greater is he that is in us than he that is of the world. That we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Because we have to keep our, our gaze, our fixed focus on God on his nature, on his character, because by him, through him, in him, is when we begin to see the world as he sees it. We begin to do what he says, and we begin to understand, and there's a depth of the word of God that comes alive because the spirit brings life. I'm telling you, as I've gone through this, as I've, I've, I've rehearsed it and going over the scripture, and talking to God about it, and chewing on it, and, and sometimes crying at night because of like, how did I miss this? How did I miss this for so many years of my life? That I, I miss your very nature, the very core of who you are. Because when you, when you go and you look at the very core of who God is, you begin to truly know him. You don't want to walk in power and not know him. Matthew 7, 21-23 says that. Well, we prophesied in your name, we heal people in your name. You know what's scary? Is that you can heal people out of your soul. That's so scary. How do I know that? Because there's stuff out there. Mesmerism, look into it. Hypnosis, telekinesis, telekinetics. Telepathy, sorry. All these things are completely unreligious, operating out of your soul. Hindus, Buddhists, all this stuff. They teach you how to operate out of your soul, out of what? Out of discipline. Instead of reliance on the Spirit of God. This is what sets us apart. This is what differentiates us. Why do you think Jesus said it's imperative that I go away so that the Comforter can come? The paraclete can come to come alongside and help. Doesn't mean he comes and he serves us. No, no, no. He comes so that we can walk together. And he demonstrates Jesus to us, through us, in us, by us. I'm telling you, this is an amazing life. When you see God according to who he is and who he says he is, it changes everything. And so I'm sure you got some questions. I do want to open it up for, for a time of questions. 
And I'm going to be inviting Brother Todd to, to join in on that. Um, I'm telling you, it's, it's kind of hard to back down. The more I begin sharing about his nature, the more that, that comes out, the more things that just start happening, pieces of the puzzle start connecting, coming together. And I'm telling you, seeing people healed 100% is just absolutely humbling. It's absolutely amazing. And this is the life God's calling you to. And you just have to know it. You just have to know it so you can walk in it. Okay? So I'm going to go ahead and go brother. Bear with me. I'm still in the program a bit. Um, yeah. Let me see. Let me get really tired. So if you need to take a break, now is the time to do it very quickly. Mm. All right. So just waiting on Brother Todd and something invite to you. So we can get started, we can answer some of the questions we've gotten. Can you, can you get back and look at it? Sorry, I'm, I keep looking down at the laptop. We're broadcasting everything through and has all the information. So you see me look down. That's the reason why. Okay. So, Todd, I sent you an invite. Is waiting on Brother Todd to answer. So let's go ahead and let's look at the questions while we're waiting on that. Let's click over here on the questions. All right, can you read it to me? What are some good ways to keep the heart anchored, focused on God? And part of mine in the backseat, if there's time between the receiving and the, the time of the healing Jesus paid for yourself and the symptom. Symptoms are allowed. Yeah. Um, you can put start answering. It's fun. So thank you, Josh, Josh, for your for your for your question. Um, it's it's very important that you understand that it's it's anchoring yourself in his word and trusting him. Uh, I can tell you, I, I've been in a situation where my own body, you know, I had internal bleeding. Um, I feel like somebody took um, steel wool, you know, which you rub dishes with, and pushed it through my colon. Sorry to sound so graphic, or be so graphic. And I, I was like that for three days, three days. And I knew it was very serious. I knew I could go septic and I could die. And my mother-in-law told my wife that. That's how I became aware of it. And I had to decide, God, I'm going to completely trust you. And so what I did 
it is every day. And I would use the restroom like 30 times a day. I would go to the go to the, the toilet and then as I was washing my hands, I wouldn't say be healed. I would say you abide in divine health because you're in Christ Jesus. And I was talking to myself. And I would say, I abide in divine health because I'm in Christ Jesus. And I'd walk slowly to my chair and my, my desk in my room and I would plug down in front of my, my computer on a cushy cushion, you know, because I was in pain. I was, in, I was hurting. I was, I was in a lot of pain. Could have died. And so I pushed past it by bringing things into my remembrance of God's goodness. And I started thanking him and praising him. So if we go to Romans 4, we can see exactly with Abraham. He did not take his flesh into consideration, but he continued to glorify God, right? He, he began to, he, just, he did not decrease or, um, or lessen in his trust, right? Because that's faith. In his trust towards God, but he exalted God continually. And I know in situations that can be very hard. That can be tough. But that's that's what shows that you actually trust him. Right? You look at Paul. He's got Paul and Silas, they just got beaten. Open wounds on their backs and, and they're laying or they're they're in a prison. I'm assuming they're sitting down or laying or something, right? These are weak from being beaten. And they're singing praises to God. And the earth shook and the jail cells opened. So it's being understanding, it's, it's praising God in those moments that you're saying, God, I thank you. I thank you that you're a good God. I thank you that this sickness has no part of me. I thank you that the sickness is not a part of my future. I thank you that this the sickness has been paid and taken care of by the stripes of Jesus. I thank you that I am healed. I thank you, right? Start praising him. If you can't get to somebody to lay hands on you or pray for you, then start praising him. Even if you have had, you know, maybe me or one of our team members lay hands on you. So what? We're not the ones who heal you. Jesus is the one who heals you. So you just start thanking him for your healing and see what happens. Spend time purposely thanking him. When you wake up in the morning, thank him for another day. Do a little jig, do a little dance if you have to before God. But you do it unto him. You don't do it because it's, it's a formula or it's something that you have to do because, oh, so-and-so says I have to do this. Um, to, in order to be healed. No, 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 no. You're missing the point. Jesus paid for it. It's, it's easy. It's simple. Just receive it. Say, God, I receive. Therefore, I, 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 I receive it, so it's, it's done. So I thank you right now. And just start thanking him for it. And what I'm quoting to you is, is actually a principle in the kingdom of God that we're going to get to. But just so you understand, I don't want you suffering from now till then. It says in 1 John 5.15, that we have this confidence towards God that we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know we have the answers we've asked him. That's what it says. So if you already know the answers, and we look at Philippians 4, 6, and it says, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, we let our requests or our answers, the word there is actually request effects. So our answers be known to God. 
So instead of saying, God, well, I need this, or I need that, or, or begging God, or crying out to God, or, or whatever, just start thanking him for it. God, I thank you. I thank you that I'm, you know, maybe somebody's overweight, and you say, God, I thank you that I'm losing weight left and right. I'm having trouble keeping the weight on because it just keeps falling off. You know, I, I can I thank you that I can run a marathon. I thank you I can do, you know, all these things. You start speaking the understanding mixed with faith. You start speaking exactly God's word into your life, and it changes everything. So you just start thanking God for it, right? So understand what I'm saying here. Thank God for it. God, I thank you I can run a marathon. God, I thank you that this, this, this weight just falls right off of me. This is what I'm trying to get at, okay? So I hope I answered your question. What's the next question? Okay, give me a second. We're trying to get Todd back on here or on here. Bear with this again. We're trying to get the other time. Wait. Okay. Yeah, one sec. I don't think he's on. Okay, well, we'll wait for Brother Todd to get back on and we'll add him back in. Meanwhile, let's go ahead and move on to the next question. Questions? It says, I am sure if, if I heard what you said about dominion authority versus nature. Oh, I'm not sure. Okay. Hey, Tamara. Um, basically, what happens, what's going on in the church today is that we're hyper-focusing on dominion authority. So, for instance, um, a lot of the, the, the parallels are used with an officer, right? An officer has authority and dominion within their jurisdiction. So, the area where they're patrolling. But does that mean that the officer's heart is always for the city? No, it doesn't. It means the officer can have a heart for glory, for fame for a paycheck, right? He has no tie directly to the city. Now, if you were the city owner, let's say you own the city. It's in your family for years. You own the city. How would your mindset change? Would you be focused on exhorting or um, pushing your dominion and authority over people? No, you would be a tyrant, right? So understand, when you look at it from God's perspective, God's coming in with his nature, and his nature naturally has dominion and authority. And it's not forced. It's not the focus. That's the byproduct. That's, that's the, the fruit of the tree. That's not who he is. So when you begin to look at who he is, just like light, light pushes back darkness immediately. Doesn't struggle, doesn't strive. Is light ex um, executing authority over darkness? Yes, it is. Is it exercising dominion 
over darkness. Yes, it is. But it's not the focus. The very nature of God is our focus. So from understanding his nature and walking in his nature, naturally, dominion authority happened. It's not something you forced to happen. So I think it's a good question because a lot of times we think, well, we need to um, pronounce healing and, and uh, uh, um, understand what I'm saying. We need to declare, we need to yell, we need to do this. No, 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 no. It's not you healing the person, right? So we were in Brazil. There was a pastor. Um, we invited him up, and Giselle and Leonardo, if you're on, you can verify the story. Um, actually, weren't there. Sorry. Um, and, uh, and so this pastor comes up, and I said, okay, you're going to pray for this guy. This guy comes up. He's got a torn ligament in his ankle. The doctor said they can't do surgery. They basically doomed him to a life full of pain in his ankle, right? So he step out of the way, and this pastor comes up, and I'm sure he's heard the meaning authority message because he was telling it to go. He was telling all these things. He prayed this very eloquent prayer for two and a half minutes, even though I only told him, pray exactly as I'm telling you. Grab their hands and say, be healed in Jesus' name, and that's it. And so he went off in this whole tangent, this whole prayer, and missed it. Basically, the whole point of what I was sharing with him. And so I said, okay. I was, I was frustrated. And I told him, let's see how you did. And then we turn and we look at the, the guy. I said, how are you doing? He goes, no, it's the same. No, no change at all, really, I don't think. Maybe a little. He said, okay. Now, let's see God do this. Because you were trying to do it. You were trying to exercise your authority, right? Nowhere in the Bible does it say you have authority. It says, Jesus, Jesus says, all authority belongs to me. Right? So if we're in Christ Jesus, then, okay, you can say, yeah, well, now we're operating in his authority. But understand, we're looking at the wrong thing still. If we're still focusing on authority, if we're in Christ Jesus, we should be looking at his very heart, his very nature, his in relationship with him, which trumps everything else. Okay? So told the pastor, I said, Pastor, all right, you're gonna you're gonna lay hands on him again. You're gonna grab him by the hands, and you're just gonna say, Be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it. So the pastor, he 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 does it, right? And so we said, Okay, let's see how God did. Turn to the guy, said, How are you doing? The guy goes, it's gone. He starts moving his ankle. He starts stomping his foot. He starts jumping up and down, higher and higher. He goes, I'm healed. I'm healed. Pastor looks at me, picking up his jaw off the ground, right? And he's like, what, what happened? What's the difference between the first time I prayed and the second time I prayed? And I was like, it's simple. The first time you were trying to heal a person, you can't heal a net. Second time, you knew that it wasn't you. You knew it would have to be all the Holy Spirit. And he did. Exactly as he said he did. He healed. And so that's the difference between dominion and authority and, and how our, our shift has, our focus has completely shifted from, oh, I'm going to focus on dominion and authority. It's like, no, 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 because then we miss the very heart. Miss the very essence of God because we're so focused on 
on trying to perform. Because understand, that's, that's what it produces. You're trying to perform to earn acceptance. But when you look at his very nature, his very heart, then, then you step into relationship with him. It's no longer about performing. It's just about walking and existing and being with him. And that's why Lake, John G. Lake says, it's not about, it's not in the doing, it's in the being. Right? So when you actually look at what he says in the entire quote, and I can't tell you the entire quote right now. Um, we have it on our website. It's the, the point of being in Christ Jesus, letting him flow through you. You know, in that you should wake up every day saying, you know what, how, how do I walk more like Christ today? Father, how do, how do I manifest more of, of Christ today? And you see, it's, it's very simple. It's, it's not complicated. It's not hard. I can tell you, um, for a while, um, when we first started our ministry, I was a little, you know, a little bitter, a little upset, a little offended, and, and everything. But when I got an understanding of his very nature and his heart and the core and who he is, it, it changed everything. And it's like, are you offended? Are you bitter? So not at all, not at all. And and so, you begin to realize how everything before, no matter how hard you struggled and strived to exercise dominion authority, that it actually, you know, it was you trying to make it happen. But when you rest in Him, you rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It just naturally happens. That's so much more beautiful. Okay. So let's see what we got here. So this is quick. Yeah, just do the top one. This is um, question number one. So switching on the light and darkness flee sounds so easy. <laughs> yep. How, how would I switch on the light best without getting my soul in the way? Practically, how would you... How how would that look like, and what would be the easier the best way? Excuse me, to apply that to prayer for sickness or for demons. How how to react if I see no change, even after praying two or three times, the demon is still manifesting. What should I do? How should I react? Okay, so is it easy? It is super easy. It's super simple. Um, you can see uh, I was sharing some testimonies with my brother Thomas Love, who I was with in Canada and Minnesota, and I was sharing with them how we were seeing just people they wouldn't manifest because you have to understand as a son of God, this is my position, this is my stance. No devil in hell has a right to humiliate and shame something or somebody, should I say that Jesus has invested his whole life into. So he, Jesus places his entire value in this person. Why am we going to allow the devil to shame and humiliate them? Because some of them, they're very conscious of what's going on. Because I would say most of them are. Right? So why am we going to allow the devil to humiliate those people? The only person that has a right to manifest is me in the situation as a believer. Manifest as a son of God. You, you see you see what I'm saying, where I'm going here? So we easily just walk over to him, we take him by the hand, and we say, go. 
right now in Jesus' name. Why? Because we know the very nature, the very heart, the very light that's in us. We don't have to yell and scream, throw snot, and, and beg and, and, and act a fool or anything like that because we know who we are and the work that we're doing. And it's, it's very simple. It's not complicated. You say, go in Jesus' name. And that's it. That's it. Because sometimes you'll even see the devil will try to throw a fit right then and there. You know, um, like for instance, what I'm talking about is not foaming at the mouth, flopping on the floor, nothing, none of that stuff. But we prayed for a lady in Brazil. She ran to the bathroom to throw up. The devil threw a fit. And she threw all this green junk, right? She came back completely healed, completely delivered. And that's that's only, I was like, okay, I, I can permit that. She got junk out of her system, right? And so you see, it's, it's not complicated. It's not hard at all. But you have to understand, get into the word, get into the manual I shared with you. Begin to see that God is absolute light. And Jesus says to his disciples, first he says, I am light, right? I am the light of the world, is what Jesus says. A few chapters later, and every single time it's brought up in, in the Gospels, you'll see he tells his disciples, you are light. Look at that. So it's not about struggling and striving, trying to make something happen. He doesn't say, try to cast out devils, try to heal the sick. He says, heal the sick, cast out demons. And they came back glorifying or boasting about what the things that they saw and, and everything. Even demons were subject, subjected to us. And what did Jesus tell them? So you should rejoice rather that your name is written in heaven. So much more key. So much more important. Because you have the very nature of God. And the kingdom of God is within you because Christ is within you. Okay? So just solidify yourself in those things. It's very simple. It's not hard. All right, next one is, yeah. Um, it says, what resources do you, do you use or recommend for Bible studies? Uh, there's a number of, of sources that I use. One is called studybible.info. Um, discipleship team, you can go ahead and throw that in. Type it in, if you would, please. Studybible.info. And so in there, I go to the Greek, uh, interlinear Greek and interlinear Hebrew. But I, I really love the Greek because if you click on it, it gives you the LSJ, which is the golden standard for translation into English, from Greek into English. It's what every scholar, every person who goes to seminary, they use the LSJ. Everything else is junk. So when you go and you look at it, why is the LSJ so key, so important? Is the LSJ actually takes you to the references in other literary um, secular writings of that time to show you exactly what the words mean. And so if you, I, I challenge you, go to studybible.info, go look up Hebrews 11.1, 1, click on the Strong's number above it uh, for faith. When you click on it, at the LSJ, at the very top, it says trust. Done. Done it a hundred times. I've been demonstrating. I've been showing people how to study and using this tool. It makes it super easy, super simple, and you can just basically take it from there. 
Um, another thing that I, I use is called um, Scripture, the number four, all.org. In there, you get um, very raw, direct translation of Greek and Hebrew. And so I like going there because some words we, we kind of like read and we take for granted. But when we actually go back, like when it says to destroy your soul, um, the word the word translated in English most times is hate. And it doesn't say hate. It means to bring to destruction, to kill. Right? So it's, it's very interesting. I'm giving homework away for some of my discipleship. <laughs> if you're listening, you got some of the good stuff. <laughs> so I hope I answered your question. All right, next one. It says, I'm on outreach programs on a regular basis, and I experience several healings by laying hands on people and praying for them in Jesus' name. But why doesn't it work all the time? Is there anything wrong with what I've, I've been doing? Uh, thanks in advance for your answer. Warm, warm greetings from Zerk. Hey, well, welcome from Zerk. Uh, so, yeah, you'll see that on the street, um, we actually see 100% healing on a regular basis. And the thing is, is there's, there's a number of factors. One is you don't give up. Persistence. Persevere. If they let you pray again, pray again. If they let you pray again, pray again. You know, you keep praying until it manifests completely. Sometimes we prayed 10, 11 times, and then boom, the next, next time we pray, completely healed. They went from nothing at all to completely healed. Why? Because I'm not moved by their situation or where they're at. You understand that when you're praying for them, you're releasing life. You're releasing more life and more life. So you're, you're watering and nurturing the life that you put in to it manifest. Okay? So it's, it's not about how many times you pray. Like uh, we were in a hospice in India, and there was a lot of people there that were basically at stage four cancer and were dying. And the, I asked one of the, the young men, Jim, uh, like, well, what happened with the guy? He's like, well, I prayed for him. He's like, I don't care if you prayed for him. You get that stinking tumor off his face, right? And so I reached over and I put my hand on the tumor because he looked at me like, what? So I put my hand on the tumor and it was hard as a rock. So right now in Jesus' name, you go. You go completely. And it just became mush under my hand. It started dissolving under my hand. And I told him, okay, touch it. And so he touched it. He was like, oh, my gosh, it's gone down. It's, it's not hard anymore. I said, yep, finish it off. And I left to go pray for some more people. When I came back, the guy was completely healed. No longer had the tumor. Um, he, in fact, got up, went used the restroom by himself, was completely pain-free. And he watched as the team went through the rest of the hospice, praying for people and seeing people healed. And so it's... It's not about how many times you pray. It's about um, believing. And if sometimes you don't get to pray once, right? So there's there's another thing that I do. I, I tell people uh, when I'm about to pray for them, I say, um, how would you like to be healed right now? Because I'm putting it all on God. I'm putting all my trust in God. I know I'm not even a good person, right? But in that instant, we, we see them healed that like immediately every single time. Okay, I hope that answered your question. All right, go to the next one. 
it says, if it's not too personal, how do you pray for others or situations not healing related per se, but if someone is in confusion or darkness or a tough situation or, or in need of finances? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, very general, very general question there. Um, for finances, I just say finances you come in Jesus' name, right? Uh, or if I'm blessing somebody, I say, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. If you look at what Paul is actually saying in Philippians 4.19, he's proclaiming that over the Philippian church, right? So he's the same for them as he is for me because he's not partial. So I can, I can declare the same thing over some of these finances um, and say, um, if they're in darkness or confusion or anything like that, I will tell them, go. Very simple. So just take them by the hands and say, all confusion you go. This confusion is not of God, right? God didn't give you the spirit of confusion, but of power, love, and the sound mind. Right, next. It says, what exactly are you saying when you pray? Short prayer or linked prayer or command or, okay. <clears throat> the prayer, understand what I mean here, okay. The, the prayer doesn't matter. <laughs> it, it does, but it doesn't. It does in the fact that you're letting the person know that it's Jesus healing them. Um, but then it doesn't matter. Uh, because it says lay hands on the sick. It doesn't even actually say we pray, right? Now we can say James 5, it says pray the prayer of faith. Okay, yeah. Um, but if we break apart prayer, which I, Gene, I know you've heard my teaching on prayer, what it actually means. It's a word, um, an intense vow, wish, right? So it's, it's not complicated at all. It's just saying, you know what? Whenever you lay hands, your your intent goes in that direction, and and God God heals them. So sometimes you don't even need to pray long prayers. In fact, if you know that your soul's going to get in the way, I I highly suggest discipline yourself into praying short prayers, and just saying be healed in Jesus' name. That's it. Okay, check it out. Have them check it. Okay, be healed in Jesus' name. Okay, check it out. They're like, what? what are you doing to me? And you see they're completely astonished because they're completely healed. And it's not about the lengthy prayers. Understand, you don't want to violate Matthew 6, 8. That they think because of their, their length of their prayers or the repetition of their prayers, that they're being heard from God. But if you have confidence in anything that you say, God immediately hears and you already have the answers, then what, what lengthy thing are you going to say in the first place? Right? You say... Ah, be healed in Jesus' name. So, right. Next. Um, is it what you believe when you pray, right? It's what you believe. Yeah, basically. What you find is a lot of people get the exact results they're believing for, whether they vocalize it or not. Okay, because, like, for instance, we were going to the street. Um, some dear friends of ours, they always ask, okay, what's your pain level? And they end up always, on a regular basis, praying four or five times until they're completely healed, right? 
And so I found when I didn't ask what the pain level was, I saw you know, immediate healing more often than not. So it was just a one-time prayer, boom, deafness left. Oh, okay. You know, um, one-time prayer, boom. All the pain from 30 years of back surgeries and, and everything else instantly gone. Spine completely healed. So understand, I don't, when I pray, um, let's say I'm using, um, I'm at a distance. I'm not laying hands. I, I pray to the source of the problem not to relieve the pain. Understand what I'm saying? Because you want the source healed so the pain naturally goes. Okay? You want to pray a Tylenol prayer, a pain reliever prayer. You want to say to the problem, be healed in Jesus' name. And it changes everything. All right? And it's, next one is, you said to pray 10 times if you had to. Do you say more or less the same thing? <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's actually a really good question. You find that um, the, the team in India, they would freak out because I wouldn't change hardly anything what I said. Because what happens when you start changing what you're praying, it's like you're unconsciously or, or consciously you're saying, well, I don't believe that my first prayer was good enough. Right? But if I'm praying the exact same thing, again, be healed in Jesus' name then it shows that my trust isn't in my prayer. My trust is in him. And that's what's key. That's what's important. All right. The next one that says, what, what are good ways to meditate in the word? Ooh, this is one teaching the discipleship team right now. Uh, it's, it's very simple. It's just focusing on one scripture. One scripture. Read it. Read it backwards. Yes, you can read it backwards. And because it helps break down the subject, and these are basically literary techniques that you can do. But the main thing is talk to God about his word. He loves talking about his word. He'll, he'll give you insight into people's lives and stuff, but he loves talking about his word. So when you ask him, what do you mean by this? Or how does this apply? Then he opens up his word to you and he begins to show you exactly what it means and how it applies and everything else. And it's absolutely transformational. So I hope that answer your question. The thing is, is I want you to, to realize the importance of God's nature and how that impacts your life and how this journey that you're about to embark on with us over the next few weeks is going to completely transform your life. It's going to transform the way you think. It's going to transform how you handle things or anything like that. So if you need to get a hold of us, you can, you can get a hold of us at um, Anthony. My name is Anthony, right? Anthony at BeTheGospel.com. Um, you, can, you can reach me at any time. If you have any other extra questions, any things you want me to dive into um, that I'm, I might not be covering in the future, uh, webinars, I will gladly give you input, share with you um, just from the Word of God and, and the experiences that I've had because of walking this out. And um, also, if you can go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash be the gospel today, and um, that would be awesome if you'd like our page and share. 
and and also um, if you would like to, like I said in the very beginning, if you'd like to partner with us, help us take this message around the world. Uh, you know, just click the offer page. You can become a partner with us, so you can do a one-time.